Sue's going to say hi. No, she really gives the notes to Ian. So if you're really, if Ian really blesses you this morning, go and say, that was great, Sue. If he doesn't, then just go to Ian and say, get Sue to give you the notes the next time. Please encourage Ian as he comes to share. Well, good morning. Take your seats, please. It is good to be with you again. It's interesting that when, yeah, because everything I say, Sue says, she tells me what to say, then I say it. So. But I, I, when I was leading the church in Bolton, I had a, a PA secretary, a young lady called Sue. She was really helpful, and uh, she used to type my notes up. But my scroll was like, it was like, maybe you say a doctor with a sign in something. Sorry if you're a doctor here. And um, so I, I said to her after a while, I said, you do really well. You don't question any of, of my notes. She says, oh, no. She says, well, I can't read it. I just make it up. <laughs> so I think I've probably been preaching half her stuff around the country. So. Well, it, it is really good to be with you. We do feel very much family here. And it's always good to see people we've seen from day one but also new people every time we come, which is really important with church, isn't it? Gathering people, keeping people, sending people, growing people. This is all really good stuff. Well, you've only got to get past me, then you've got your jammy dodgers, so I'll, uh, I'll be as, as... I'm going to say as quick as I can, but I won't because I appreciate my accent is a little bit different to yours. And uh, I, I, the, the longer I preach, the faster I get. Sue says it's like I've been on Smarties and, and speeding up, so I'll try and keep at a slower pace. Um, just hoping that you can all understand the words I'm, I'm sharing with you. I'm going to read just a few verses from Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 from the Bible. And it's just about where Jesus stills the storm. And I'll read this and then just kind of guide you where we're going to go with this. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious, uh, sorry, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wave died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want to talk this morning about um, getting to the other side of the storm. Okay, getting to the other side of the storm. And before I kind of get into four kind of concepts of what I want to talk about, um, I just want to give you a couple of introductory thoughts. Um, first of all, journeys, the Bible is full of journeys. If you know your Bible, if you don't, it doesn't matter, but there's the Emmaus journey, there's Damascus journey, there's Peter walking on the water journey, this life is a journey, you, me, this church, your leaders are going on a journey. We're on a journey of growing, developing, progress, putting away childish things, maturing, all those things, we're all on this journey. But you know, a journey usually has a destination. You don't usually go out of your house going nowhere. It might be for a walk, but you've got an intention, you've got a destination. You might be going to the shops. You left your home this morning, 
to come here. That was your journey. We left Manchester, Bolton, Manchester on Friday on a journey. It was a, it was a, a, a journey and a half. We half sailed here, we half swam here, we half flew here, and we drove here. But we were on a journey, and um, that's where we are with our lives. Um, but on this particular journey that I've just read about, the destination was to get to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to the side. I want you to hang on to that, because that's going to be important with what we're saying today. We're going to the other side. However, on this journey, they encountered great turbulence. Now, people think sometimes turbulence is only something you experience on a plane. It isn't. Turbulence is a conflict, um, a confusion, not stable or calm. In fact, the definition is this, a violent, unsteady movement of air or water or some other fluid. And they encountered this turbulence. Now, I know most of you are probably just aware of turbulence on, on a plane and and um, I, I, th I think I told you this illustration 19 years ago when I came here. Um, but, you know, turbulence on a plane can be pretty frightening, can't it? And um, I, I, I remember being absolutely ter terrified of flying. And I had to fly one day to Australia. And I can remember it was 24 hours. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't take a drink. I couldn't watch a film. I couldn't, re I couldn't relax. I couldn't do anything. Because every time there was a shake, I thought it was falling out of the sky. And um, I, I, I just kind of couldn't get over this. And I, I was now going to get involved more with mission, which with mission meant you had to fly to get there. So I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to get through this fear of flying? Because I, I just absolutely dreaded it. And I, I, so I went through all the process of finding out how a plane stayed in the sky and how on earth does it do it. And even when you know that, it's hard, it's, it makes it even worse because you think, that's impossible. All that weight, all those cases, all them people, it's just impossible. But someone said to me... Um, the pilot wants to get home just as much as you do. And I was cured. And now I quite enjoy flying. And it, even though, you know, in turbulence, it still can be a bit unnerving. But I, I just know this. If, if there's turbulence on a plane, don't look at those around you. Because, you know, some are hanging on, some are holding the seat, some are holding on to the person that's with them. Some are looking petrified because they were like I used to be. Uh, just look at the, uh, the, 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 the cabin crew. And they're still in the tubulets, they're still serving the perfume, and they're still trying to give you a drink if they can. And, and, but, but that's the process. Turbulence can ca cause you sometimes to be quite concerned. Um, but look at, the, look at the crew around. And if they're okay, then you know you're okay. But you know, with turbulence, what the pilot is often trying to do, sometimes he will say, we've got turbulence ahead, so we're going to go over it. So you hear the engines increase, so they're going to rise. Or we're going to try and go around it. But if the storm is so big, sometimes the pilot says, we're going to go through it. Okay, we're going to go through it. And realize that we experience turbulence because we're on a journey. We're actually going somewhere. When I was going to Australia, the turbulence, because I was on a journey, I was going somewhere. If you don't want turbulence, don't go anywhere. That, that's the answer. Don't go on a journey. If you want, don't want turbulence, stay in the airport. If you don't want turbulence, stay on the tarmac. If you want to be like uh, Tom Hanks in the film, I don't think you saw it, Terminal, where he lost his nationality and he couldn't leave the terminal and he lived in the terminal, but there was no turbulence. But the turbulence comes when we're on the journey. And the problem is, you know, sometimes in the Christian life, we, we can choose where we settle. And sometimes if we don't want turbulence, we can say, oh, it's quite comfortable here. 
Peter, James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration said to Jesus, Jesus, we like it here. Can we stay here? Lord of Hassle down the bottom. Can we stay here? Because it, it's, it's good. You, me, us, we, we're good together. A lot of years ago, I know I've used this, um, this illustration about a, tra- a trip I went on. A number of years ago, we went to Israel, me and a friend of mine. But we were hitchhiking to Israel. We weren't going on a plane. We were hitchhiking. Ten countries from England, from M- M- M1 Sheffield to Israel. And uh, we, we went through some terrible times on this journey. But I remember just before we left, there was a couple in the church. And they said, oh, we, we're going to Greece on our honeymoon. If you're passing, just pop in. <laughs> we're hitchhiking. If you're passing, just pop in. Near Thessalonica, he was. Well, I thought we'd be there in a week. In a week, we'd only got to Greece. And I, I'd had enough. I, I, I'd honestly had enough. I, 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 wanted to settle. I wanted to go home. My friend Jed, who's a very much more determined person than me, he says, we're going on. He says, but what we could do, we could see if our friends are at that hotel. Because we were, we were actually close by. So we, we found this hotel and we're absolutely filthy. We've run out of money. It was, it was horrible. And, and um, we go, go into the grounds. And Phil, he was just about to dive in the pool. This guy that's invited us. And, and so Jed, my friend, got up behind and tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around and, wow. He, he looked like he was pleased to see us, but I don't really think he was. <laughs> He's on his honeymoon, for goodness sake. And, but you know what they, they said? They said, oh, no, stay Stay a few days. You can, you can sleep on our patio and stay a few, I mean, And that was luxury compared to where we'd slept. He, he said, stay a few days and, uh, and, and, you know, we'll look after you. So we stayed three days. I'd settled. There's no way I wanted to go on. I'm in Greece now in a, in a hotel with a lovely pool. And we're going to go through Turkey, Syria, Jordan. That's where we had to go yet to get on this journey. And then they said to us, look, uh, we realise you've got no money. If you want to stay the rest of the week, we'll, we'll buy one meal a day for you. Well, I was for that. But my, my friend Jess, we're going on the journey because uh, we were going to get some more turbulence on this journey. So in the end, we went. But I realised at that point, I had become too settled. Uh, like the children of Israel, in, you know, you've got, you got the place where they're in slavery. They came out of slavery into the place of, uh, into, the, into the, in the, the desert place. But everything was provided so the shoes were provided. They didn't need to go to Tesco for the food because, or wherever you go for your food because the manna was provided. They didn't have to do anything. That, that it was comfortable. And the danger is when we get comfortable, and that's the danger for a church, and it was great to hear about change because change stops you getting comfortable and it stirs you out of your comfort. And that's often people complain about change because it disturbs their comfort. But it's about the bigger picture, not just about what you like as an individual. It's about a family, which we've already heard about this morning. So the danger is we don't, Settled. So if, if we're going to be moving on this Christian journey, we, we're saying we know we will probably have some storm. So storms come when you're on the move, and sometimes you have to go through some stuff that you would never learn if you hadn't if you'd stayed on the tarmac. Sometimes you go through some things that you'd never learn if you stayed in the terminal. So if you want to get to the other side, it means we have to go through some stuff and navigate some turbulence. A further introductory thought, the disciples had to leave the crowd to get to the other side. And what we have to learn is if we want to learn some things, we may have to leave the crowd. So there's some things you can learn here together as a church fellowship, but sometimes we have to go a bit away from that to learn things on our own 
in a bit of maybe in isolation. So uh, something that is bespoke, something that is particular to you. So Jesus, I mentioned this yesterday to the leaders in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was going through that difficult time and he had the disciples with him, he says, we're going to go here and we're going to pray. And then he said, he left the disciples apart from Peter, James and John. He took them further in the garden. And then he stopped and he said, you stay here while I go alone and pray. And you realize that Jesus was now going to carry something that no one else was going to carry. And sometimes we find in life that we just have to learn things that really um, are for us particularly. So this journey was about getting to the other side of the lake. So what I want us to do is to get, learn some lessons about getting to the other side of the storm. Now you might say, well, I'm not in a storm. Well, what I want to say to you, if you're not in a storm, there'll be probably a time when you are in a storm. So please be sympathetic to those who are in a storm. And you may have been in a storm, and you might think your storm's over, but there may be more storms to come. Uh, and and we, learn, we know it's through some of these trials and tribulations in life that we grow as people and we mature. So I'm just going to look at four simple lessons that will help us in this getting to the other side of the storm. The first thing is this. You will have storms but determined to make progress. You see, it's possible to, to live in the storm and not go through the storm. So it sounds a bit harsh, but, and I don't mean this harsh, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm being trite about anything you might be going through that's difficult. But sometimes, you know, people make their storm their problem, their best friend. They talk about it all the time. And you, you ask them a question and think, oh, I wish I'd never asked. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, I wish, I'd, wish I'd never asked. And I'm trying not to be unsympathetic because we've all been through tough times and you want help and you want support. But some people talk about the storm like it's their best friend. And, and I'm going to talk about this later. It's important. You don't talk so much about it, but you talk to it because that's what Jesus did to the storm. He spoke to it. Okay, so, so it might be that your, your storm at the moment is debt. And so you live in that name. I'm a debtor. Maybe you've had a tough divorce time, and so you live in this, this name, this I'm a divorcee. Maybe it's redundancy, and you think, oh, I live in this world of I'm unemployable. Or maybe it's a dependency you have, and so you think, I'm addicted to this, so it's my, it's my lot for life. But I want you to know that Jesus wants you to get through the storm. He wants you to get to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. It's important that we realize, you know, that um, in our world, and well, Jesus wants you to get through the other side of your brokenness, the other side of whatever that brokenness is. But it's, it, we're in a world where broken is valueless. Um, uh, again, I may have told you this years ago, there's loads of new people here. We, had a, we used to have, um, well, see, we collected these ornaments that we got in Spain. And one was a picture, one was a, a woman uh, a, a lady with a, a basket of fruit on her head and uh, so, oh Sue liked this and she dusted it and she cleaned it I liked it we, we, I liked it nail ladder wasn't it nail nail ladder and uh, one day I came downstairs and it was on the windowsill uh, and it was lying on its back and her head was on the floor and so what I should have said really it had quite a bit of value this this thing her head was on the floor I thought oh no how's that happened Sue's going to go mad so she wasn't around, so I got some uh, super glue, uh, and, and I stuck the head back on, and, and I left it there. Now, I didn't do it, but to this day, we don't know who did it, do it, how it happened. Uh, and um, so I left it, and I left it there on, on the windowsill. 
And for, for months, she never noticed. And then one day, she was cleaning it. She said, Ian, Ian, we've been ripped off. They've sold us, they've sold us, they've sold us an ornament in Spain with, with, a, with a, a cracked head. <laughs> so, 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 I said, well, I told her what happened. I said, I'm not idiot, it's happened, but I tried to save you the pain. <laughs> but, but listen, what I'm trying to say, it was now valueless because it was broken. But the fact is, Jesus, Jesus is the opposite to our world because in our world, brokenness is useless. But with Jesus, brokenness is essential. He can only work broken things. That's all he can do. The Bible says this. He says we're like earthen vessels. clay. We're like clay pots. In other words, please don't take this personal. We're like crack pots. <laughs> a lot of crack pots. You've got to be a crack pot to be a Christian. In the Bible, it's full of situations. Mary broke the alabaster, she had to break the alabaster box to do something to Jesus. David, when he made that massive mistake, he, he came and he says to, to God, uh, it, it, a broken and a contrite heart, you will not turn away. It's funny he didn't come and say, give him my son back or give him this back. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He could only work with broken things. So in the storm, whatever it may be, keep going, make progress, because in the plane, the pilot, when he hits turbulence, he doesn't turn back. He says, what does he say? He says, fasten your seatbelts. We're going through. So we're going to the other side, but it might mean that you've got to fasten your seatbelts because you're going through. So you will have storms, but please determine to make progress. Number two. This is, where, this, is, this is where I was getting really excited when I was preparing. I want you to know today, this is brand new. I've never preached this before, I was Sue. <laughs> it's brand new. It's not some old stuff I've rehashed. I was getting so excited about this, the second point. I'll tell you why in a minute. Because it says, it can feel like Jesus is not active in your storm. Okay, so sometimes you're going through tough stuff and you think, God, where are you? It describes Jesus. I'd never seen this before. I've read it hundreds of times. It was asleep on a cushion. I thought, wow, why on earth would big rugged fishermen have a cushion on a boat? I'm sure they don't. Jesus was asleep on a cushion. Maybe, I'm adding spice and colour here to my preach. Maybe Jesus thought, I know this is going to be a tough one, so I'm taking my own cushion. I'm taking my own cushion with me. The disciples, like the disciples, we may say, God, what on earth are you doing? Do you not care that we perish? Jesus, why are you inactive? You know, often we don't know what he's doing. And someone has said this, it's quite true. Often Jesus is doing more behind our backs than in front of us. And that's why we don't always know and we don't always see. All we do know is that he has called us to love and serve him. And uh, sometimes, you know, we, we say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's your plans for my life? And sometimes we're asking questions when he's already told us. Because in Micah it says this. It says, um, what does the Lord require of you? To do what is right. That's living integrity. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. The Bible all the way through tells us, wait on the Lord. 
wait on the Lord. Take a seat. Someone give me this. My daughter got me this. Take your seat. And you know, sometimes God says this. He says, uh, we need to meet. Take your seat. Take the weight off your feet. Take your seat. Let's get you out of the heat. Take a seat. And you know, the place where sometimes we take our seats is at the feet of Jesus. Mary was often found at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we treat Jesus or God like he's, like we're a teenager in a house that often you may have said to your child or your teenage child or whatever, you treat this place like a hotel. Have you ever said that? Or was it said to you as a child? And sometimes we're a bit like that with God. God, I'm in a hurry. I'm, I, I'm off today, but just, just bless me and say a quick prayer. And I'm, I, I, But we're too busy. And he's saying, for goodness sake, will you, sit, will you take a seat? I want to talk to you. Will you take a seat? I want to say some things to you. We, we go in a coffee shop these days, trendy coffee shops. And, and what does, you always hear people say, can you have a coffee too? Staying a Premier Inn, breakfast, it says grab and go. And often people just want God on the go. And he's saying, will you just take your seat? Get your cushion, take your seat. Great Psalm, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. And so there's something just about this idea of a cushion. Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. Just rest. Just sometimes stop and find this cushion, your favorite place. He says this in return. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He says this, I have plans to prosper you and not to do you harm. I just read in a daily reading yesterday, it came up on my phone, Psalm 4.8. In peace, I will lie down and sleep because you alone make me dwell in safety so next time you're in your dining room living room and you've got your cushion remember the one who said and if you're in a storm remember see the cushion and remember the one who said we're going to the other side he might seem inactive but he says I'm with you even though I'm sleeping on this cushion number three Lack of faith usually blames someone else. This might sound a bit harsh. Lack of faith usually blames someone else. It's interesting. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. Don't we love it, and I'm sure the disciples did, when we're included. We're going to the other side. Allow me a little bit of license here, because it's a bit like Jesus saying, come on, boys, we're out of here. We're leaving the crowd. We're out of here. And uh, for the disciples, it might have been a bit like that transfiguration mountain experience where they said, we're with the in crowd. Um, it's just Jesus and us. We're the chosen. We're the superior. Uh, and we're, we're now just going with Jesus. We're leaving the crowd. But it's not long before the storm. They see him asleep on a cushion. They can't. He's asleep. So they don't know what to do. So they wake him up. And they say this, Jesus, don't you care don't you care how have they moved from being set apart it's us we're going with Jesus on our own to 
Don't you care? You know, short memories is, is one of the problems that we often have as Christians. We quickly forget what God has done for us in the past. Very, very quickly. And you can have a great time in church and it's not long before two years later you're, making, you're criticizing people who you used to criticize for criticizing. And you're doing exactly the same thing because we have short memories. It says about the other storm in the Bible in Mark 6 when it's Jesus is walking on the water. It says the disciples were fearful because they had forgotten about the loaves and fishes. It actually says they had this great miracle where he feeds the 5,000 and now they're in the storm and they've completely forgotten the same one who'd performed this miracle could perform another miracle in the storm. And if this, here's the fact. If, if we don't trust Jesus in our storm, we come to some wacky conclusions. Some real wacky conclusions. They could have said, they could have said, get this, they could have said, we realize it's a storm, but look who's on the cushion. They could have said, we've never seen a storm like this before, but look who's on the cushion. They could have said, We've never been in a situation as bad as this in our whole lives as fishermen. But look who's on the cushion. But what did they say? Don't you care? Don't you care? Questioning his goodness, questioning his integrity. Why? Because the journey was now not going like they wanted it to, like they expected it to. And so what happens, the blame game starts. Do you remember years and years ago when they had mad cow's disease? And what did they call it? BSE. Well, I think sometimes we can have BSE, blame someone else. That's, that's what we do. So we, we, we blame when things aren't going our way. Now we're now blaming Jesus. And, and Elisha, Elisha, when he'd done this incredible stuff on Mount Carmel, uh, when he'd, he'd killed the prophets and he'd, he'd brought down fire and he'd done all these incredible miracles, and now his circumstances has changed and he's thinking, what am I doing here? He's in a cave in suicidal depression. But why? Because it's all changed. It's not like it was. He's made for Carmels uh, and now he's in this cave in this state. And he starts to say these wacky things I'm no better than my ancestors self image he blames other people he says this he says it's the Israelites they've broken your covenant they've smashed your altars and they've killed all the prophets it's the Israelites fault then, then it, blur, it blurs our facts. Our facts go out of the window when we start to blame other people and we become critical he said there's only me there's only me and, and, and it says, for goodness sake, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. But you, all you see is only you. I, over the years, many years I've lived, uh, been ministering in church, the amount of times some people have said to me, there's only me who does anything in this church. <laughs> what? <laughs> there's only me. But it blurs. When we're critical, it blurs our vision. No teaching in this church. I'm dry. Like it's the pastor's fault. You know, <laughs> we're here to, to grow and mature. No love in this church. All those kind of things. Blame, 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 blame. When I left, um, when I left Bible college, we were getting married, and. Um, I left Bible college very, very disappointed because when I went in, I gave up a job that I liked. Um, 
thinking that I'd come out and I'd, some church would take me on as a pastor. And when I finished, nobody did. So I went back to my own church. Well, everything had changed. And people, the jobs I used to do, someone else was doing. And, and I, f- I felt pretty useless. I felt surplus to requirements. And I remember someone, I told someone how I felt, and I said, yeah, well, they said it's like, it's like if you get a bucket of water and you put your fist in it, and you take your fist out, the hole that's left is like you're missed. I thought, oh, thanks. <laughs> There's no hole left. <laughs> you're not missed. Everything's moved on. Everything's changed. And, and so I got, these, I got these jobs. We were getting married. I've got no money. So I got these part, three part-time jobs. Temporary jobs, sorry, not part-time. Temporary jobs. Unloading peanuts for making peanut butter. Well, I'm unloading these peanuts. And uh, this is true. Was, I'm mad at God. I'm blaming God. Why did, why did I leave my job? Why did I give up my pension? Why did I do this? Why don't the church want me anymore? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you make that decision? I'm unloading these peanuts, blaming God. I'm, I'd made the decision, but because it hadn't gone my way, now blame starts. And you, and you say wacky things. And then I'm cleaning toilets at Spring Garden Post Office, Piccadilly, Manchester. Cleaning toilets, mad at God. Scrubbing the toilets, calling God. Blaming God, it's his fault. Why have why you allowed this to happen? Decisions I'd made, choices I'd made, thinking it was, and it, it, in the end, it was the right thing. But it didn't feel like the right thing at that particular time. But that's what we do. And in the storm, they're blaming Jesus. Don't you care? They're actually asking Jesus, who was about to lay down his life for them, don't you care? Don't we say some stupid things? Don't you care? So when we're going through the storm, let our words reflect the promise, not the circumstances. We're going to the other side. That was a promise. The circumstances didn't look anything like the other side, but the promise was we're going to the other side. Now, I don't mean denial, but what I do mean is, look who's on the cushion. Lack of faith always causes us to blame someone else. And then lastly, number four. I said this at the start, but I, I spend a little more time in it. Learn to speak to the storm, not about it. I think our words can determine the length of our storm sometimes, how we treat the storm. Again, I'm not saying deny the facts, but positioning and confession are required. So it was all right for David to say to Goliath, um, you come, come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. He also had to take up a position and get a sling and get some stones sometimes it's not just enough we've got to do what we can Noah he continued through that what must have seemed to him like years and years of God on a cushion because it, it was hundreds of years wasn't he building this was it hundred years building the ark and, and, and there's been a promise of rain and He's getting ridiculed and called and laughed at and scoffed and mocked. And he's saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He's asleep on a cushion. But he had to position himself. He had to do the stuff. Don't treat it like your best friend. Speak to it. Jesus didn't discuss or describe the storm. He spoke to it. Jesus didn't say, oh, disciples, what a storm. Isn't it an interesting storm? Look at it coming over here. Isn't that, look, at, look at those waves. He didn't say, he didn't say, Father, 
I wanted you to scare them a bit, but not this bad. He, 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 he spoke to the storm. He, said, he stood up and he said, peace, be quiet, be still. You know, sometimes you can think, and it can sound harsh, and I think we can batter the disciples sometimes in our preaches, but you might think, have you got no faith is a bit harsh, but you've got to balance it with, it also said, we're going to the other side. And you've got to decide what you believe, Jesus or the circumstance. So for Peter, when he walked on water, he experienced both. He actually said, is it you? If it's you, I'll come. And so he, 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 got, he got two sides of the coin here because what, he took his eyes off the storm and looked at Jesus and walked. But then the reverse happened. He, he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm and sank. And so we have, we have to understand that in this positioning and, and taking his word is important. The, changing, the, the, the change for, for Peter was incredible here. It went from one extreme to the other. But we have to learn it's not so much about how we feel but it's about what Jesus has said. And he said to Peter, come. And he said to the disciples, we're going to the other side. And he said to you, I don't know what he said to you, but you've got to hang on to what he said to you. In Hebrews 11, it talks about many people like Abraham, who he said, go, but you don't know where you're going. And they went. He said to Noah, build. He, he had no idea what was going to happen. He said to Amram and Jochebed, who were Moses' parents, put your baby in the bulrushes and with the crocodiles. And, uh, but they had to do it. They had to position. And it was all about, um, this is what faith is about. And we do what we can. And then we let him do what we can't. That's the difference. I suppose as sailors, I think in that storm, I, I don't know, I'm not a fisherman, I know there's a lot more fishing goes on in this area of the world, I don't know whether you know much about fishing, but I imagine they did, in that storm, they did what they could, or they could have done what they could, and they would have, I don't know, brought the mass in, and they would have done all the health and safety procedure they needed to do on the boat, if there was such a thing as health and safety in the Bible times, there probably wasn't, because there wasn't when I was at work, so I'm sure there wasn't when, 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 when they did, but maybe they did all that kind of stuff, done everything that they needed to do, and then they would have said, but don't worry, look who's on the cushion. Knowing that God won't bail out of the storm. Knowing that God won't bail out of your storm. He's not a God who says, if you fail and get it wrong, I'm off, I'm out of here. He's not one that would say, you have little faith, I'm out of here. He's not one a bit like I used to be told when I was younger, if you drive over 70 miles an hour, the angels get out. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where that one came from, but anyway. But... but, but but, but, that, but that, he's not that kind of God. He said, we're going to the other side. So learn to speak to the storm and not about it. I conclude. It's, it, it must have been weird for the disciples because all of a sudden this wild, I mean, we was just on your seafront yesterday and we shifted quick because the car started... The car started going. Sue thought we were going to end up in the sea. And it, 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 but, but I can imagine, you know, for, for, these, for these guys, when, when they started, and then it, suddenly, it's completely still. It must have felt really weird. And I know, I've, I think I've preached on this before, that, that whole concept of, I would add the word there, when they look at this, what kind of man is this? Wow, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But then... Whatever our storm, God is com committed to helping 
and seeing us through to the other side. I think in the storm, if you're in a storm now, if you're going to be in a storm, we need to live by two confessions. They're going to be on the screen. I think, I hope, there we are. In your storm, believe. The one who said, we're going to the other side. The one who was resting on a cushion says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The one that says, we're going to the other side. The one that was resting on the cushion says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to do you harm. Now, some people might say, well, that was to Jeremiah. Well, I want to say, I, got, I believe that God does have plans for you and God does want to prosper you and God doesn't want to do you harm. What I'd like us to do, I'd like to, I'd like us to stand in a moment and I'd like us just to confess those two verses together. Is that okay? So that if you're in a storm, you're applying this confession. For when you might be in a storm, you've got these confessions ready to confess in that storm. Let's just stand, shall we? I want you to say those words with me when I'm ready. So, but the important thing is this, because I, I really want you to emphasize this. The one who said, we're going to the other side, the one who was resting on the cushion, says the first one together never will i leave you never will i forsake you and then remember the one who said we're going to the other side the one who rested on the cushion says for i know the plans i have for you plans to prosper you and not to do so in the storm look who's on cushion the one who was resting on the cushion says I repeat this verse before in peace I will lie down and sleep for you Lord make me to dwell in safety amen let's just bow our heads Father, we just thank you for the incredible truths of your word. And we do believe these verses that you said you will never leave us or forsake us. You have plans to help and prosper us, not to do us harm. And all of us in different times and places have had our own storms and some may be going through them even today. But we thank you for the promise that we're going to the other side. We thank you for the words of the one who rested on the cushion and was able to say in the middle of that storm, peace, be still. Father, in the times of storm, we just pray that we will be people of faith, that we'll hang on to the words that you've said, that you will help us to be people who don't then blame others for circumstances we are in, but believe that getting to the other side is what you have plans for us. Even though we may go through turbulence and storm, that you want us to help us on that journey in our time of brokenness 
to healing. So I pray for this church, these people, these leaders, for their future. It may be incredible, incredibly successful in you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim.